you as you are seated. Good morning, church. It's great to see you this morning. Wow. Um, so I want to share a verse with you from Psalm 91, verse 9 and 10. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer your, your no plague will come near your home. How many of us need the Lord as our shelter this morning? I sure do. Uh, we can just take refuge that uh, Jesus is our shelter and our rock. Uh, just some announcements this morning. Um, Please register for our worship service. There's a few ways you're able to do that. You can go online. You can register with um, Everbright. If you're not tech savvy, you can call Benita and hear her nice voice and have a chat with her and she can hook you up or send her an email at office at northgatebaptist.ca and she'll make sure that you register for our Sundays. We are at um, just a, a capacity limit right now, just an AHS guideline, so just want to follow along with that. Looks like right now we're well under that, though. So, um, I just want to give an update on our, our, our finance situation. I am so thankful for you guys, just for your faithful giving. Thank you so much for that. And uh, there's a, a financial update in the bulletin that you're able to look at. I uh, just want to mention Carrie Lynn has stepped down from our missions committee. Uh, she's been so faithful in serving in that capacity. We are going to acknowledge her uh, more on a formal basis at a later date and give her a gift. But we just want to just say thank you to Carrie Lynn for all your hard work in that regards. Uh, tomorrow's a special day. Uh, remember to vote. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but look at the platforms and uh, just make sure you guys get out and put your vote out there. And uh, next week, our pastor, Mark Barrett, is preaching the word to us. So we're looking forward to hearing what God has to say through him. So let's pray and just give our, our service to the Lord. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us, God. We thank you that you are faithful, God, even in the times of our trials, that, that you are there for us, God, just to lift us up, Father. And Lord, we thank you for this church, God, and we thank you for your faithfulness here. And I really pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us this morning, God. And I pray for Pastor Mark, Lord, as he preaches your word on joy, God. I really pray, God, that uh, your Holy Spirit would speak through him, Father. And we just give you this service into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, parents, if you could just escort your children to the fellowship hall, and we are going to have our children's church slash kingdom kids Sunday school. Good morning. Thank you for joining us, whether you're here in person or online, which is probably a few more people this morning after all of the changes this week. Uh, we are glad that you are with us this morning. And this morning we are continuing our journey into joy uh, and our series looking at the book of Philippians. So if you have a Bibles with you, uh, join me in turning to Philippians chapter 1. This morning we come to a topic that perhaps some of us may not immediately think of when we think about joy. 
It's joy in one another, joy in our fellow man. Uh, because sometimes that can be tough. Uh, the old saying goes, uh, to dwell above with the saints we love, oh, that will be glory. To dwell below with the saints we know, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> and you know, we all know there are times when in our lives, people and relationships can be tough. Uh, we all have those people in our life that we know are difficult to love. And I'm sure, you know, I was thinking about this, I'm sure there are moments when we hear Jesus command to his disciples to love one another, and it sounds a lot like that moment when your parents told you to eat your vegetables, right? It's like, like I'll do it, I know it's good for me, but I'm not going to like it. Uh, but loving one another doesn't have to just be sort of drudging, it doesn't have to just be duty. Um, it can be a source of great joy uh, to be in the fellowship of the saints of God. And that's what Paul shows us in our passage this morning. Uh, found in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11, Paul really, he shows us uh, how we can find joy in one another. And we're going to begin reading in verse 3, as Paul says this. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Let's pray together. Father God, um, Lord, I pray that you would just be with us in a very special way this morning. On a day as we talk about the joy that we find in others, Lord, we realize that, that many of those others aren't with us this morning because um, regulations and, and things that keep us apart and Lord, that is difficult. But Lord, I pray that even now in, in separate places, that Lord, your Holy Spirit would be able to unite us together in Christ around this word. And we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray that this would be something that our hearts need to hear, that it would be an encouragement and it would lead us to a place of greater joy, uh, joy in you and joy in the relationships that we have in our life. I pray that you would speak to us very strongly and powerfully this morning. We ask in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I want to ask you just to imagine something with me this morning, um, something that probably is actually not all that hard to imagine in this age of COVID. Because I want you to imagine that you're lonely. Um, maybe you have a job and, and your company has sent you overseas where you don't really know anyone, you don't really have any friends, and you just, you know, you're, you're, you're isolated, you're alone, you're, you feel stuck and cut off, and you just miss those people in your life that you were so close to. 
Now imagine how much worse that feeling would be in, you know, an age before our modern conveniences of telephone and email and Zoom calls. So perhaps during one of your sort of lonelier moments in that place, maybe you'd sort of get out an old shoebox of memories, whether it had cards that people wrote or notes of encouragement or old letters from people you loved or keepsakes. Or, or maybe, maybe you would open up an old photo album and just go through and leafing through those pages of pictures it would, just, it would take you back, you know, to, to so many of those special moments you shared with the people that you loved. And it would bring a smile to your face as you remembered those people, as you remembered those times, and how much, how much those people meant and how much they still mean to your heart, even though distance and circumstances are now keeping you apart. Well, that's where we find the Apostle Paul as we begin this letter. Paul was in prison in Rome. And he writes in Philippians 1 verse 3, he says, I thank my God in all of my remembrance of you. Paul in his imprisonment, he's taking a trip down memory lane. He's remembering those moments, all those special times, all those lives, you know, that touched his own when he spent time in the, in the city of Philippi. And he remembers this church. And his heart, his heart is so moved by these memories, he decides he wants to write to the people of this church and just let them know, you know what, I remember the joy that we had together, and I'm still thinking of you. And then reading his words in here in our passage, uh, well, first I'll give you a simple caveat, because all that we're talking about this morning is rooted in a relationship with Christ. I don't want you to miss that point. Even though we're going to be talking about our relationship with others, you know, the greatest difference maker in our relationships with others is our relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to get that out front right at the beginning. Ultimately, Jesus is the source of all of our joy. But because of our faith and the fellowship that we can find in one another, a big part of that joy in Christ is the church, is the joy we can find in one another. And even though Paul is still sort of just, he's just actually really just still writing the introduction of this letter, he really does give us some wonderful examples of the ways that we can find joy in our relationships with one another in this passage. And this is actually the first lesson that we find in verse 3. As Paul sort of thanks God for all of these memories, it's just a reminder, I think, to us just to take the time to be thankful for the people that we have in our life. Just take time to appreciate the people that God has put in your path along the way. You know, don't live your life in such a rush that you just race past all of those sort of moments of joyful reflection of the people that God has given you and surrounded you with. And I would encourage you to, you know, go through old photo albums and just remember those times. You know, go through old cards and letters that people sent you. You can even go through, you know, your Facebook posts from years gone by. But take the time to think back on those things and on those people. And let your heart just remember those wonderful times uh, with the people you loved. And then a second lesson, I think, that follows the first is that then let the people in your life know how much they mean to you. I love that Paul actually 
He, he takes the time to actually write, write this letter to the church just to tell them, you know what, I want you to know how much I appreciate you. I'm just dropping you a letter to know how much you, how much you mean to me and how much I miss you. What a precious gift that is to give others, just to say, I have appreciated you so much over our time together. And don't take for granted that the people in your life just sort of know those things. It's like, oh, they, they know that. I don't need to say it. No, bless them by actually telling them. And if you can, you know what? Tell them, tell them often. You know, don't just say, Lord, one, that's your letter for this year. You know, tell people as much as you can how much you appreciate them, how thankful you are and all that they mean. In fact, I want to give you even just some homework right now. Because I just want to stop for just a few minutes. No, not me. It'll be like seconds. But I want you to just think about one person in your life right now that you miss. One person who, who maybe had an impact on your life that maybe you haven't talked to them in a while. One person maybe even God is putting a name on your heart right now. Maybe you've even said to yourself lately, oh, I should really give that person a call, but then life got busy and the moment passed. If you have a person in mind right now, your homework is to reach out to that person and just let them know that you miss them and how much you appreciated them and just tell them, tell them how they have been a blessing in your life over the years. I can assure you that appreciating those people and reconnecting with them will lead you to a place of greater joy in your life and your relationship with them. Because as Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. That's what he's doing. But Paul doesn't stop there as he continues in verse four. He says, always in prayer, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy. And the next lesson here is, if you want to increase your joy in your relationships, you should pray. Pray with people and pray for the people in your life. Because prayer increases our joy. Um, you know, I know many times I've been in my office as a pastor and I've had people share their burdens and their struggles and they're always thankful to have, you know, had a listening ear. Um, they're thankful to hear any advice I have. But you know what? Even after all of those things happen, when I say, can I pray for you? It's always yes. Like, because prayer just becomes something in a relationship that's life-giving. It's this life-giving moment between people as we pray for one another. It's different from anything else I think that we do uh, with one another. And the relationship just becomes so much more when we pray for each other. Because it's not just, you know, I'm listening to you, know, to you and I want to support you. Prayer is... Two people saying, you know, I'm willing to stand in the gap and intercede on your behalf before God. And that's something truly special. Prayer is a way to invest in our relationships and in a person's life that is really unlike anything else we can do for them. I actually found an article this week that said that the ancient church felt that the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ called believers to a relationship, the kind of relationship they termed Perico, oh man, David, no, <laughs> perichoresis, uh, which roughly translates as to joyfully dance around one another eternally. Oh, and I just, I love that image. The, even as a good Baptist, I love the idea of our relationships being described as this joyful dance of our spirits together as we're united in Christ. 
And a large part of our participation in that kind of a relationship with one another comes through our praying for one another. So let me give you this, again, simple advice. If you have people in your life who matter to you, pray for them. And don't just pray for them sort of, you know, for their needs or when they have problems or when they're in trouble. Pray for their welfare. Pray for their benefit. Pray for their blessing. Because on that note, Paul, Paul's prayer here in the verses 3 to 12 is actually a great model and example of how we can joyfully pray for one another, uh, for other people in, in our lives. Because he prays, he prays that they would experience grace. He prays for their love to increase. He prays for their wisdom. He prays for their holiness. He prays for their spiritual growth and maturity and, and, and their fruitfulness. And I think the summary of all of this is that Paul is praying that the people in his life that he loves might have just an amazing, overwhelming, living, active relationship with the Lord. That's his prayer. And that should be a part of how we are praying um, for the people in our lives. Because if you want to increase your joy in your relationships with one another, pray with and pray for the people in your life but also serve with them. Um, this is something else we find, where we find joy together. As Paul tells us, one of the reasons that he's making this prayer with joy is, verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. This was a church that served the Lord together. They were partners in the gospel, in the gospel mission. And you know, I can tell you that outside of my family, some of the people in my life that I feel closest to are the people that I have served with side by side in ministry over the years. Because there's, there's a bond, there's a, a camaraderie between people who know, you know, who are on the same team, who are working towards the same goal, especially when that goal is to share the gospel with the people around us. And there's joy in working together. You know, I remember growing up in church, uh, being at events, you know, where you're sitting there and you're watching some program or something, and the women in the kitchen <laughs> were having so much fun serving together, just doing this. I wished I could join them because there's joy in serving together and being together and working together. You know, I remember sitting in leadership meetings, you know, here at the church and just feeling that deep fellowship and the relationships between those who are present as they work to, you know, to provide leadership for the church. I remember when I led the worship team here, you know, in the early days of morning glory, you know, how those times of worship practice became more than just times of, you know, trying to learn new songs. But they were life-giving as we just were together serving. It was a joy to be together with my team. It became so much more. Serving is a powerful way of joining our lives together. And if you try it, you'll probably not just find yourself having a lot of fun. You'll find those relationships with the people you're serving with growing deeper. And I've actually known small groups that, you know, have taken time as a small group just to serve together outside of their, you know, normal meeting time. And it's been transformational for them. You know, groups that have been together and perhaps even have grown a bit stale over time, they're revitalized when they do ministry together. And some of those groups, you know, said, let's, let's spend time serving, you know, one night at the mustard seed. Others, you know, helped out at a Habitat for Humanity build. Others, you know, said, let's, you know what, let's offer a babysitting service a few times a year at the church just to let the young mom and dads go out on a date. 
But you know what? Serving together and partnership in the gospel is just, it's another thing that binds our lives and our relationships together, and it brings us joy when we serve the Lord together. And that brings us to one of the most well-known verses in the book of Philippians, verse 6, where Paul then writes, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And to me, this verse is it's all about having confidence in God, to be at work in the people of God. And I think this is important in the context of our relationships because I think it helps us to see our relationships from a heavenly perspective instead of just an earthly one. I think it helps us see the eternal in what we often think of as temporary. And that matters because life is not always easy. And the people in our lives, the people we love, are going to go through hard times. There's going to be struggles. Marriages are going to get strained. You know, your kids, your grandkids, even your friends can make bad choices. You know, people that you know and love might stray from the church and their relationship with Christ. And people are going to have issues with their health and they're going to lose jobs. And, you know, people that you love, they're going to have conflict. And there's going to be broken relationships. And when those hard times comes, and you see those, those broken lives. It can be easy, I think, in those hardships, it can be easy for the, any joy that you might have to sort of start draining away, sort of leaving you with this sense of loss and almost hopelessness. But Paul is telling us here that at those times, we should remind ourselves that God still has this and that God can handle it and God is still in control. And we can have confidence in him. I actually read a great illustration this week about a worker at a summer camp who had to learn to climb a telephone pole in order to do his job. And the author said the problem was that to climb a telephone pole, you have to learn to lean back. You have to lean away from the pole to, to allow the belt around your waist to hold your whole weight in, orderly, in order for you to properly place the spikes on your feet so you can climb the pole. But he said the problem again is once you're off the ground, your instincts tell you to hold on, to grip the pole and get close out of fear of falling. It is only in having confidence in letting go and trusting the belt that allows a person to climb. And that's a lesson for our relationships. Sometimes we get to a, to a place in our relationship where we just have to let go and give it to God. Whatever the issue we're facing, sometimes things are just out of hand and we need to just surrender that relationship to God and trust that he is still at work. And in a very real way, that means we never give up on people. No one in our lives is ever truly a lost cause while we still have hope in God. No relationship is ever beyond the hope of reconciliation if we believe that God can be at work. I actually think of Elizabeth Elliot here, who as a missionary took the gospel to the primitive tribe that actually killed her husband. That is confidence in God. And oh, how that affected their relationship with that tribe. And some of the greatest joys that we can find in life and in our relationships, you know what? Sometimes they only come on the other side of a conflict or a division that God in his power has brought now to a place of reconciliation and new hope. 
When you see a God at work in a life like that, in a person's life, in a relationship, it's, it's a joy. God will do a work even when you think things are broken or lost. And it can be a joyful thing to see God do that. We never give up on people. Then Paul continues in verse 7. He says, And it is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. And Paul here refers to the Philippians as fellow partakers of grace. And then he mentions two ways in which they have shared that grace together. Uh, The one way is that they are partakers of grace through the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. And to be honest, when I think about the joy that is found when people discover the grace of Jesus Christ in salvation, you know, when the people in our lives make that choice to accept the gospel, that's exciting. I mean, the hair stands up on your arms. You think about it. It's so, it's joy in our relationships is turbocharged when we see people putting their faith in Jesus Christ, when people become partakers of grace in the gospel, when we see people baptized, when we hear those testimonies about how people you know, came out of a life of darkness into a light of light in Christ, that's joy. That's so exciting. And you know, we should challenge the celebration of the angels in heaven with our own celebration here on earth when someone that we know is saved. Joy is magnified among friends when we can share with them the grace of salvation. But then Paul also says here that they were partakers of grace through his imprisonment as well. And again, this may seem almost counterintuitive, but there is also joy to be found in a relationship in sharing and supporting other people through times of suffering. Times of suffering can be some of the hardest and most challenging days of our life when they come. And yet standing with people when those times come and supporting them and encouraging them in those times of suffering, it matters so much. And again, in my life, I know many of the people that I am closest to, people whom I'm saying that my relationships are the most meaningful and the most rewarding are the people who have stood by me or we have stood together in our past sorrows. You know, we've gone through hardships together. And Paul knows that. In fact, the context of this letter is that the church in Philippi heard that Paul was in prison, so they actually took a collection and they sent it to Paul along with, you know, some of their church members who would, you know, could show up in person just to encourage Paul as he's in this difficult place. And when they show up, Paul is overwhelmed with gratitude and overflowing with joy because of their support. You know, joy can come easily in a relationship when there's happy times, but joy, I think, is deepest in a relationship when it endures through the hard times as well. And deep joy can be found in helping one another and supporting one another and sharing with one another as we go through those times of suffering. And that, and well, everything else we've actually talked about this morning, that really ties into Paul's main prayer for this church that begins in verse 9 of our passage, where he says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve 
what is excellent. And of course, to me, when I hear those words, I think it's, that's just a reflection of Jesus' own commandment. When he says in John 13, verses 34 and 35, he says, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Loving one another is what the church is called to do. And yet we know we live in a world where the very idea of love has so often become mixed up and twisted. Um, you know, love, love has become the excuse for all kinds of behaviors that God would disapprove of. Uh, marriages break up because I fell in love with someone else. Homosexual marriage is happening because people say, I can't control who we love. People just tend to think, you know, if it's love, we can do whatever we want. But Paul tells us something important here. That love needs proper boundaries. And, and, you know, that's why he prays. You know, as your love increases, he also prays that you would have knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. And I like Chuck Swindle's comment on this verse. He says, when love flows indiscriminately, we love everything, even the wrong things. But Paul said it well, it is knowledge, real knowledge and discernment, keen discernment that keeps love within its banks. Because you know what, you don't, love, you don't love your wife the same way you love your dog. There's discernment. There's knowledge there. Uh, you know, you can love the sinner but hate the sin. You know, some people can't separate that. That's because it takes discernment. And you can love and care for a person, you know, attractive person of the opposite sex with the love of Christ, but you set up boundaries so it doesn't go any farther than what's appropriate. You know, that's discernment. That's knowledge. That's, that's you know, approving what is excellent. And that all means just that, that love is not just about happy feelings all the time. It's more. And sometimes love, sometimes love means discipline. Sometimes love, love means telling the truth, even though it's hard and the person doesn't want to hear it. Sometimes love means saying no. Sometimes love means getting tough. Sometimes love means setting boundaries. And that's why love requires knowledge and discernment. And that's why, you know, this love that we have for one another, I think what Paul is really saying, it needs to be biblical. It needs to be rooted in God's truth. So, you know, love is not just people sort of following flights of fancy, following their hormones or high emotions. The love we're talking about here is rooted in the truth of the Bible and in the character of Christ. And it comes out of this inner, inner transformation of our hearts uh, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when that quality of love is present between people, that, that kind of love, that discerning love, can be a source of great joy. And that brings us to the final words of our passage this morning, beginning of verse 10. He says, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. And this is the final lesson from our passage about joy. And that is, there's joy to be found in our relationships when we can help and we can see people growing in their faith. You know, when we see people increasing in holiness, Paul talks about them being blameless and pure. Or when we see them developing godly character, the fruit of righteousness. I can tell you as a pastor, 
It is often, you know, seeing people's lives changing, seeing people growing in the faith, seeing people being transformed by Jesus Christ at work in their life, that is the joy that sustains me. I'll tell you, you know, ministry can be a tough job. It can be full of disappointments and discouragements, but when there are people in your life and in your church that are on fire for God and they're growing in faith, even if there's just a few of them, it makes it worth it. You know, my favorite example of this comes from the church I served in not long ago. Uh, One Sunday, uh, we had a small group of visitors show up. Uh, They were all part of one family. What happened was grandma and grandpa were in town, and they said, we're all going to church, and grandma and grandpa get their own way, I guess. Uh, And since no one in the family had a home church, they just picked one at random, and they showed up at ours. And grandma and grandpa ended up being driven to church that morning by uh, their grandson and his girlfriend, who he's living with. And the girlfriend thought that they were just going to, you know, drop grandma and grandpa off and leave. But the grandson that day just decided he was going to go in with them as well. He's going to go to church. And the girlfriend, true story, she wanted nothing to do with it. She had no love for church, refused to move. She said, I'm going to sit in the car and wait until church is done. And the grandson said, fine. But it was minus 30 that day, and he said, I'm taking the keys. (laughs) So after sitting in a cold car for as long as she could bear it, in walks this girl with a glare and a frown as she sits down, just waiting for church to end so she could leave. And church did end, and she did leave. But she came back the next week. And the week after that, and the week after that, And she started reading her Bible and she started asking questions and pretty soon she was part of a Bible study and she was volunteering in the kitchen and she got baptized and I married that couple. Um, You know, they started a family and not long after that they started teaching Sunday school. And eventually they actually began being part of church plants so that they could share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And you know, in the years that I was at that church, anytime during my ministry when I felt discouraged, like felt like giving up, felt like giving in, I would remember even just that one life and say, wow, look at what God is doing. God has so powerfully transformed this person. And even if if my entire ministry only did one thing and changed that one life, I knew it would still be worth it. The joy of seeing people grow in faith is beyond measure. And I'm sure Paul had that exact same joy as he writes this letter to the Philippian church. Just knowing how much and how far the people in this church had come in their faith. From a life of paganism to a life of dynamic faith in Jesus Christ. And if you want to really bless your pastors, it's easy. Just grow in your faith and let us see the difference that Jesus is making in your life. Just live out your faith. And if you want to experience joy, as we heard this morning, one of the best places to find it is in our relationships with one another. Actually, as I was sort of doing research for the sermon this week, I actually found Psalm 16, verses 2 and 3, that I thought was actually a really just nice summary of what all of that I wanted to say this morning. Psalm 16, verse 2 and 3 says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. And as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. God has given to us not only the gift of himself, 
but the gift of one another, the, the gift of friends and family, the gift of the church. And it is one of the greatest blessings that we can know this side of heaven. It's those relationships that we have with one another. So let us follow Paul's example and just take delight in one another. Take delight in the saints who are in this land and know and experience the joy that is found in our relationships with one another. Let's pray. Father God, um, we, we live in a broken world, uh, a world where there can be broken relationships, where there can be conflict. Uh, Lord, where even where we can be separated from the people we love and, and just, I guess, lose contact and, and just feel so alone. But as much as those relationships can be hard and we know they can be strained, Lord, they can also be such a great source of joy in the Lord. As we exercise that command that you've given to us all to love one another. And we pray that we would find that joy, that the joy that we have in you would overflow into the relationship that we have with each other, especially here at church. And Lord, we just ask that, we, that Paul's example, that his words that we heard this morning would speak to us, that, that we would appreciate people and tell people how much we appreciate them, that we would pray for them, that we would support them in good times and bad times, that we would encourage them to come to Christ to experience that grace, that we would you know, encourage them to see them growing in, in faith and in love and so be just encouraged in our own heart to see that growth happening. That, Lord, we would just delight in the gift that you had given to us that we find in the church, that we find in, in, in our fellow man. And may our joy increase as we find the joy in the Lord as we also find joy in one another. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark.